Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Carlos Cisco. He's the founder and CEO of Select Innovations Incorporated. Good morning, Carlo. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. So kick us off with the why. Why did you start Select Innovations Incorporated? Yeah, sure. And um, you know, I'll do the uh, TLDR uh, version, which is, uh, you know, ba- basically we saw an opportunity um, to improve the way that people experience the world by improving the way that businesses and customers connect. Um, so, so to elaborate on that, um, you know, it was really informed by a few different experiences that I had. I, I started an events company while I was in college. So that was sort of my first um, experience connecting customers with businesses. We, we would do a lot of large scale um, experiential events. And then I also, you know, I had sort of a finance career uh, in between. And then I also worked at uh, Groupon uh, when, when Groupon was in crazy uh, growth mode, right? And my my big takeaway there was that there was a huge demand for a new way for businesses and customers to connect. But I felt like that model didn't really serve premier brands or premier customers very well. That there were too many stipulations. There wasn't a lot of quality control on sort of the brand or or experience side. Um, so I felt like we could do something a lot better. Um, so so with Select, you know, it's a membership model. Um, people have to apply for access, they have to pay uh, an annual fee for access, but then, you know, we've gone out and negotiated with, you know, somewhere um, in the neighborhood of 800 to, uh, you know, 1,000 plus uh, businesses over 1.3 million locations uh, around the world, um, these exclusive uh, ongoing and often uncapped uh, benefits specifically for our members. So free drinks, discounts off the bill, discounts off a hotel stay, off you know retail purchases, whatever, whatever the case might be. So, so we felt like there was a good opportunity there for, for that type of model. And, and of course, over time, it's uh, you know, at least begun to uh, prove itself out. Very cool. So when you say events, company, and college, does that mean you threw parties? Uh, more or less, they, they, they were they were pretty they were they were they were pretty big parties, and you know I sort of fell into it uh, to be honest. Um, you know, basically, uh, you know, look, I like to work hard, but um, you know, if I'm gonna go have a good time, I want to make sure it's uh, the best time I can I can have, right? I want to make sure it's going to be an interesting place, it's going to be a good experience, etc. So, so what happened is like you know freshman year. Um, I was like doing the work of figuring out where the best places to go are and, and what, you know, someone, um, you know, in the nightlife scene in Miami uh, noticed was that people were following me around, people I didn't even know. Um, they were like figuring out where I was going to go and, and figuring out that that was likely uh, the best place to, to be that night, right? And they're like, you know, you can get paid for this. Uh, you should be a promoter. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so we did this like uh, test event at this, um, you know, at that time, it's now a very nice area of Miami, the design district. But, but back then people didn't really, that was not somewhere you went. It was, it was you know, frankly, borderline uh, un- unsafe. Um, and we did an event there and brought over 600 people um, to this, you know, no-name venue in this, you know, borderline unsafe area. And, and after that, you know, sort of had every, 
uh, club owner <laughs> in Miami or, or marketing manager or what have you, um, you know, calling calling myself. So so I didn't do um, you know a lot of like the frequent parties. I did mostly these these large scale things and and very ad hoc because I was also in school. I was also working in in different jobs. But but yes, long story short, um, you know, effectively a a promoter. But but we did it in an interesting way. I think. Well, it makes you a pretty popular guy on campus too, right? Uh, it does. It's a little weird, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, to be honest, right? Because a lot of people, you know, know you and you don't know them. And, and that was sort of the early days of, of Facebook. So that was something we did really well as well. We created a Facebook group, um, you know, for, for these events. Um, but honestly, I'm like, you know, I, I basically call myself a social introvert. Like if someone comes up to me and talks to me, I'm very social, but I'm not, you know, typically the type of person that runs around, you know, going, going out to meet people, uh, et cetera. Um, so, so it is an interesting thing when you're like, you know, especially when I was living on campus, you're like at the gym, people are like coming up to you. It's like, you know, it's, it's a little interesting, um, but, but it was a fun experience and it was cool to get to work with um, business owners at, at such a young, uh, at such a young age. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's nice to say, and there's any people that are listening now that are in college or business yeah. majors, or but you can, you can start getting business experience throwing parties. I mean, it just right shows away. you there's so many different yeah. ways to gain experience. You just have to look at it that way. And obviously, being underage is a little tricky, but there's lots of ways you can have parties <laughs> uh, in college that uh, can be a big hit and can develop your network and your opportunities uh, moving forward. And obviously, it helped you found Select Innovations. So let's get to that again. Uh, When was Select Innovations started? What year? Yeah, so we incorporated in 2014 and um, started rolling things out really the the end of that year. Um, We incorporated in May, I think, and and, around December, we we were beginning to to roll everything out. Excellent. So I guess, where did you start? So obviously you have these discounts, these... Yeah. Uh, membership-based model. I guess walk walk me through the variety of different things. You, you said a little bit earlier, drinks and hotels, but is there certain staples or certain industries that people seem to really enjoy being a member because of discounts in this industry or this vertical? Yeah, um, a- absolutely. And you know, back back when we started. Um, you know, we, we were initially um, looking at Select as, as part of the business model, uh, funny enough, for another startup I had called Food Fan. Um, so we're really thinking about it like almost like a diner's club. Um, so working with, you know, a lot of these top restaurants uh, across different cities, uh, places you actually wanted to go, Michelin-starred restaurants, trendy spots, uh, et cetera. Um, however, when we looked at it as, um, you know, its own company be- before we actually incorporated and started building this out, we, we realized that there was no reason to limit uh, ourselves to a single category um, and that, you know, we could really, uh, you know, improve as many uh, areas of someone's life as, as possible by, by being a full lifestyle uh, offering. So, so even, you know, from the beginning, while restaurants were certainly a focus, that's, that's a very frequent use uh, category. Um, you know, we, we also had hotels, we also had some lifestyle benefits, some entertainment benefits, et cetera. Um, you know, over time, uh, you know, certainly the program has evolved and, and partially shaped by, you know, what our members want to use or, or what they actively use. So, so I would say now, um, you know, certainly dining, uh, hotels, events, or concierge, um, you know, those are, you know, likely still the four most popular. However, you know, for example, 
you know, this year we've added a lot of sports benefits. So, so those have been very popular. So, so the entertainment category has really moved uh, into that pack. And, and then similarly, the lifestyle category um, has grown a lot this year. And we've always had some premier brands in there like Toomey or, or BMW or, or Brooks Brothers. Um, but this year we've added a lot of, you know, kind of more innovative uh, frequent use brands. So, so brands like Chomps or, or HealthAid um and and some of these others um so so that category has also moved in um so so we really see you know people kind of like using the program um you know basically designed around their own lifestyle and and they're able to get so much value from so many um you know individual areas uh that you know they can kind of get siloed in there so so actually what we need to do a better job of now is is getting people to use it uh across uh different categories so that we make sure um they're getting as much value as possible per particularly as some of these categories you know are growing um at a different pace than they have historically so you know in that lifestyle example or the sports example um you know those both grew a lot uh this year very good i think it's interesting because if you look at amazon they started out as a book reseller or a book right. retailer right and it evolved right. now to amazon's a to z so obviously you gotta right. start get some traction and then you go from there now That's, have you uh, that... good Oh, no, that, that, that's that's exactly right. Right. And and people have actually, um, you know, interestingly likened what we're doing to like a higher end version for the physical world um, to, to a certain extent, which is which is very flattering. And, and obviously we do some things outside of that. Um, but but yeah, I think that's how, you know, most good businesses move over time is you sort of diversify to meet the varied needs of your customers, basically. Yeah, and it leads right into my next question, which is mistakes you've made while scaling. Yeah, because obviously every business. <laughs> gets outside its comfort zone when it tries to scale and it says, okay, let's yeah. get better. what's the next step? What's, you know, I'm great at restaurants. Now should we tackle entertainment? Now should we tackle lifestyle? Okay. There's yeah. obviously going to be some challenges along the way. Walk me through some of those challenges you faced and then followed up with what you learned from some of those challenges and what you learned from some of those mistakes. So our, our listeners can maybe avoid some of those mistakes or pitfalls in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and look, any business as you as you grow and scale, um, you know, like you're, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, it, it's inevitable. And, and, you know, in fact, I would say if you're not making mistakes, then you're probably not moving quickly enough. Um, you know, people don't necessarily appreciate the urgency uh, with a business, particularly a startup business, particularly if you have institutional investors, uh, et cetera, like, like you do need to move um, quite fast, um, you know, an early kind of like easy mistake for us, like, you know, like we, um, you know, back in 2014, we were sort of steadily growing. Then we had this contract with a publicly traded company and this was before the formal launch. So like things were starting to step up and then out of nowhere, you know, our marketing just sort of started working and, and really kind of exploded. Uh, and we didn't have a proper CRM system uh, set up yet, for example. Um, so, so like a lot of stuff wasn't being tracked. A lot of things were just sort of logistically messy. But then we swung all that into action very quickly when, when we saw how fast um, you know, things were uh, beginning to take. Um, but, you know, like you, you make plenty of mistakes along the way. You know, I think another one um, that can, you know, be good for general people as well is just sort of external noise. Um, you know, whether it's a competitor or, you know, a market implication or, or whatever the case um, might be, you know, you can sort of get 
um, I guess, overly disrupted by that when, when really all that matters when you have, you know, customers that are paying more customers that want to pay you and then customers who are coming back and paying you again, like, like once you're at that sort of stage where like there's some early product market fit, all that really matters are your customers. Um, you know, and in our specific case, there was a big industry change shortly after we launched. So in the early days of select, you could actually, we had a membership, we, well, we still have a membership card, but in the early days you could link an existing payment method to it and then use your select card to pay. Um, and that was, you know, effectively cool. It, it didn't add any other utility beyond that, but it was like great marketing positioning. Um, and then like, as uh, the use of uh, the chip on, on cards became more prevalent, that became hard to do. That's designed to not allow that. And it's actually a legal gray area. So you basically saw a lot of companies in this space just sort of disappear, uh, <laughs> regardless of what they uh, had raised. And we were sort of, you know, last one standing by focusing on um, our benefits, uh, you know, so, so, you know, it's hard to call it a mistake because we did survive where a lot of others didn't, but, but we could have doubled down more than we did. And it definitely like threw us off uh, our game to an extent, I would say. Um, but it also, you know, pushed us to pursue, uh, you know, doing an actual credit card, which, which we've now announced. Um, but, but I think we could have done a better job of just sort of ignoring that and really focusing on what we do for, for customers. We, we did it to an extent, but, but we spent a bit too much time kind of chasing down, um, you know, the credit card side of it, which, which, you know, there's other startup credit cards, but very hard to set that up. Um, so, so we slightly over-focused there versus uh, the core program itself. And, and now we've struck a better balance and, and essentially everything has come to be, but, but that was, you know, essentially an implication of, of over-listening to, external noise. Um, you know, I think another one that a lot of companies will have is sort of like figuring out what's important to investors at varying stages. Um, and also I think what, what team means, um, you know, this is something that threw us off uh, as well, because you hear about these accomplished teams that go out and raise all this money, da, 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 da. Um, you know, a lot of the best, biggest companies were, were started by people where it's their first company um so like you don't have to like go hire super seasoned you don't really have to do anything like what matters is that your business is working um that's that's what ultimately matters and, and that's what everyone should focus on now, now you need to hire the right people to make your business work well but you don't need specific pedigrees you don't need specific experience levels like all you need are the people that are going to like fight and go to war every day for for your customers and, and your business uh, essentially so that's another one i would point out and, and perhaps a final one is understanding um the fundraising process uh you know a lot of people you know don't know that you have to be very calculated <laughs> with with a capital raise um you need to you know be ready to have a lot of conversations simultaneously so you can create demand um you know there's varying things that you know institutional investors are, are good at or not so good at um but one thing that i've seen them be extremely good at uh you know perhaps universally is sensing whether or not there's momentum and demand uh for your uh, company as an investment um at least in my experience like they can sniff that right away and and it dramatically changes the pace um of conversations as well as the likelihood of those conversations uh you know uh moving forward so, so essentially you want to raise when you have momentum um so whether it's momentum in terms of growth and revenue which is certainly the best um 
but some sort of momentum so that like they feel like they need to jump in now if you're trying to raise without momentum especially in this market you're, you're probably not going to, to raise to be honest it's it's better to go out create momentum than do your raise that's great advice i, I have some people come to me it's like yeah i'm really bringing this product to market but i really need to get some capital and i said well how many have you sold well none yet I'm like, well, get yeah. out there and grind it, man. Get out there and yes. do, this, do the work. Create some yeah. excitement, create some revenue, create some cash flow, and then go to the investors. You're going to the investors too soon. Yeah, They're like, oh, 100%. but I don't have any more money. I'm like, well, go back to work, yeah. get some money, yeah. and then try again launching later on. But so many yeah, people, uh, I think, try and go to investors way too early, unfortunately. Oh, all, all the time. And and the reality of, of starting businesses now is like, you know, it's not the early 2000s where you had to like set up servers and, and things like that. Like you can pull together, you know, 50, uh, 100K bucks and $100,000. And like, I don't want to say like that's easy to do with a personal network or, or anything like that. But like, you know, the key message is like you can get started, whether like you're keeping your job and doing it as a side hustle or you're pulling together some friends and family money or you've got other people that are working for equity, you know, and not getting paid at all. Like there's a lot of different ways to you know, get the approach that at least gets something built, puts it into market fairly effectively that most investors are just not going to look at it uh, when it's an idea, unless you're someone who's had like a significant exit already. Um, and, and perhaps like the one exception would be if you get into like a top accelerator program, um, you know, YC, 500, uh, ERA, Techstars, um, those might make someone look at you earlier, but they're, they're going to have to be very confident um, in the team. And, and typically now a lot of companies going into those programs have traction as well. Not all, but, but a good portion. Traction is a key. So those either looking to launch a business, looking to bring a product to market. That's the magic word, traction. And the more traction you have, the more people are going to help you build the empire. That's that's exactly right. And and the less they'll question uh, <laughs> how you're going to build the empire too. That that was something we benefited from when we were in our accelerator program. Like a lot of people were having their theses challenged uh, left and right. And in our case, like we were growing fast um, with customers. Uh, so no one did that. And all the questions were around like, how do we scale this more? How do we make this bigger? Um, thing, things like that. And how can I be a part of it? <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's right. Be. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> that, that, that's the ideal question. <laughs> right. Can I get a piece of that? This seems really awesome. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> well, on that note, Carlo, let's share a success story. Obviously, it sounds like you've had a lot of them, uh, but I'm sure there's some client, some acquisition, some plateau, something that you've done that really reinforces your why, why you started uh, Select Innovations Incorporated to begin with. Give us a success story that you're very proud of that when you have a bad day or a rough week or a rough quarter, that's what keeps you going. And I think every entrepreneur, every business owner needs to have that success story, even if it's small, to keep you going yeah. forward. Don't stop, don't quit, keep moving forward. Uh, you can pivot if you need to, uh, but ultimately keep moving forward, enjoy the successes, no matter how big or how small. Uh, share with us, share with us uh, Carlo, one of your success stories. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, perhaps our, our greatest one, um, you know, as you think about everything that we do, um, you know, we talked earlier about how restaurants, hotels, events are very significant. Well, well, just a few years ago, <laughs> you know, if everyone remembers, uh, we ended up having a, a global pandemic, right? And, and a lot of that stuff was actually shut down. Um, so it was interesting. We'd seen, you know, M&A interest at, at varying points of the company, still see it 
to this day, but like, you know, during that period, we started to see like deal huntery uh, kind of MA, right? Like people were sort of hoping, you know, in a vulturous way uh, that, you know, that was going to cripple um, us. And, and in effect, uh, it didn't. And, and I'll explain what we did. Um, so I mentioned earlier that we wanted to do credit card. You know, we just announced it this year. Actually, our first term sheets came right at the end of 2019. So right as we were heading into 2021. Uh, we also had gotten into this equity free uh, accelerator plug and play fintech. So we were like lining everything up to do a credit card, do a big fundraise uh, and really bring that to market. And then this global pandemic hits, right? Shuts, you know, about 90, 95% of what we do down completely uh, for multiple months. And, and our response to that was, you know, let's put the credit card on hold. Let's put the fundraise on hold. Uh, this is a really significant time period for you know all of our members all of our partner businesses like everyone will remember what happens during this time period so let's really dig in try to help the partner businesses try to help the members um etc so you know with the partner businesses we were sending out stuff about like ppp and then a lot of other things that like they might not get as up to date information on as as we did you know having you know at that time that's institutional investors and and things of that nature on on the member side we really um pivoted the benefits to do as much as we could for them through you know through what was a difficult time for everyone you know even if you were still employed you were stuck at home um kind of isolated uh you know so we, we shifted a lot of things so so for one we started setting up like takeout and delivery benefits with a lot of our restaurant partners and you know now today you know of course doordash uber eats and, and those things are at such a scale that it feels like every places on there. But but at this time, particularly with the tier of restaurants we were working with, um, they actually typically weren't on those platforms. So so that was valuable uh, to people. Um, we started to do more like at home focused lifestyle benefits. So whether that was like meal delivery companies or, you know, cookware, because everyone's going to be cooking more, you know, or office furniture, you know, at home kind of office furniture, whatever, like we started adding uh, a lot of that type of stuff. Um, we added a business category because there's a lot of entrepreneurs um, in our membership group. So we wanted to help them reduce costs without having to reduce headcounts. And then, and then perhaps the biggest thing we did actually, you know, we had to shut down our in-person events, um, but we started doing digital events, uh, I believe April 1st. So within two weeks um, of, of the full shut down and i think in april we hosted about i don't know 15 to 18 or so of those digital events so while everyone's stuck at home feeling isolated feeling not as engaged whatever we were doing these uh kind of medley of, of digital uh events and, and continued that you know for for several months thereafter and and ultimately what happened um long story short is like yes we reduced our marketing spend so our revenue actually you know that's the only year where our revenue went down was was 2020 however our member renewal rate actually went up uh and i don't think anyone would have expected that <laughs> going into the pandemic um i would say perhaps even we didn't expect that but but essentially you know long story short people could see that like we cared about them and we were trying to do things in a different way to adapt to a new time for our members and it, and it ultimately resulted in our renewal rate going up despite you know 90 ish percent of what we were typically used for basically being closed for multiple months and in some cases for for a number um of months so so i think that was a great uh kind of success story and, and while it delayed you know sort of like greater 
uh, ambitions, I, I, I suppose, um, you know, I think the success story is, you know, hey, you know, we're here to help our, you know, our business partners or customers. They recognize that increased our renewal rate that year, and and certainly it's continued to go up uh, since then. So, um, so that's the story I like best because uh, a lot of people would maybe think, oh, they're kind of screwed here, and you know, we doubled down. We really focused on what you're supposed to do, which is helping your customers, helping your, you know, other partner businesses, and and it created a good result uh, for for us. So um, that's perhaps my favorite. Good for you. That's a great story. Uh, well, Carlo, wrap us up with how people they've been listening, they're excited, they want to be part of this uh, select innovation to incorporate, they want to save some money on restaurants and uh, entertainment and lifestyle brands and hotels. Well, they're all waiting for the information. How do they join? How do they be a part of it? Provide your website, please. Any social media, if you want to give on email or phone, whatever's convenient for you. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so website for the membership is uh, Meet. So M E T M E E T uh, Select uh, S E L E C T dot com. Um, so you can go uh, apply straight there. Um, we also now have the wait list up for the credit card. That's at selectcard.co. Um, in terms of socials, uh, you know, we're Select Card on most platforms. So Facebook, um, Twitter. And TikTok, uh, it's all select card. Um, on Instagram, it's the select card. Um, that's perhaps our biggest channel. Um, but um, yeah, those are really the best ways to um, check us out. I also keep you know myself pretty easy on social platforms. It's just my name, uh, always um, very very consistent. Um, so so yeah, those are the best ways to to check out the program to get in touch uh, if you'd like to. Very cool. Well, Carl, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing all your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for, for having me. It was really fun. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got to do it. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much again. And you've listened to another episode of the Perky Collar Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right. Over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the perky collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt, ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in Elephant, R as in Robert, K's and kangaroo, Y's and yo-yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's PerkyLLC.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as the droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? 
This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at PerkyLLC.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories, bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out PerkyLLC.com for all these great fashion accessories and innovative solutions. Are you ready to publish your own book? Do you have a story to tell? Does the world need to hear your story? Now is your chance. Go to https colon forward slash go go dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. That's right. It's as simple as that. They'll walk you through every step needed to publish your own book. And watch out, be ready to be an Amazon bestseller, maybe a Wall Street Journal bestseller, or maybe even New York Times bestseller. It all starts with a single step and having the right team around you. Again, go to https colon forward slash go, G-O dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. Look forward to seeing your amazing results.